Hello, Homeschool Mamas. Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Show. I'm Teresa Wiedrich at CapturingTheCharmLife.com, here to help you turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. Homeschool Mama Self-Care is for homeschool mamas looking for a strategy, or a few, to tackle their homeschool challenges. Today, I get to introduce you to Sarah Scott. Sarah is a certified positive discipline parent educator. That means that she works with struggling parents to help them stop losing it on their three to 12 year old aged kids and to create a strong connection to win cooperation. Sarah lives in beautiful British Columbia, Canada with her four homeschooled children and her stud muffin husband, Craig. She has a strong affection for mashed potatoes and adores a good latte. You can find her all over the internet as Parenting Solution Finders. Sarah, it's so good to hear from you. I think of you as the mama that's trying to talk parents off the ledge. For those that don't know you, would you tell us about who you are, your children, about your experience and your life as a positive parent educator? Absolutely. So I'm Sarah, and I am a certified positive discipline parent educator, uh, as well as a mom of four. And my kids range in age from three all the way up to 14. Um, And my life um, as a parent educator, um, actually, most of what I do, I try out on my own kids first. And (laughs) I... (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I found that I was in a place before this where I really was not the parent I wanted to be. And I didn't have the relationship with my children that I wanted to have and something needed to change. There needed to be a shift in the way things happened. And so I decided to look into positive discipline and in doing that, I found along the way that there were a lot of other moms who were struggling to um, fix, I don't know if that's the right word, but fix how they were parenting and, and really just create more connection and really and more solid relationship with their kids. Absolutely. I, I feel myself that as a parent, um, especially in a homeschool environment, that it can take a real toll on you because there's a constant interaction with your kids and it can have a ribbon of negative all the time. Or you can spin it and see um, your relationship with your kids in a more positive perspective. And if you choose one direction or the other, it really influences your home environment. Um, so Especially nowadays, though, I think with all the unexpected home learning families that are going to crop up in the next few weeks that have brought their kids home, how do you think that we can maintain positive parenting in our four walls? Because I have to tell you, I find it really challenging myself in the last two weeks. We've been at home for two weeks now, and I can't fathom all those new unexpected home learners coming home to do their full-time work at home, take care of their kids, teach their kids, and be happy. A couple of things that I usually bring up with parents who ask me, like, what do I do first, is you stop being responsible for your kids' happiness. Um, 
you don't, and, and in saying that, don't make your kid's life miserable. Like obviously <laughs> as parents, we don't want to do that either, but you know what? In, in saying no to your kids, when you hold a boundary, that's inconvenient for the other person. They're never going to be happy about that unless they have some sort of emotional intelligence or education in that area. Then, you know, possibly they'll say, oh, thank you for taking care of yourself, but don't hold your breath because your kids are never going to say that. So, um, so your kids are going to be upset when you hold a boundary. That's not really on you. It's on you to help them walk through that emotion, to help them exercise techniques, to regulate their emotions, but it is not up to you to keep your kids happy. It's not your job. And number two, change your mindset from your kids are driving you crazy to your kid is struggling. Your kids do not want to make you mad. They actually would rather get along with you and be in your good books and know that they belong and have that security. They're not looking to make you mad. In some cases, when our kids have tried everything else or they're, they're seeking attention, which is not a bad thing. We all need attention. They go about it in a misbehaving way. And it's really up to us as parents to look at the underlying cause of that instead of playing the victim in that. So how did you make that shift or what was it that set you towards moving in a different direction in how you parented? I used to be that victim parent. I used to be the parent who just scream at the top of her lungs because what else was I going to do? But when you can start practicing, because this is all a practice, you don't go from screaming lunatic mother into calm, let's talk this out, problem solving overnight. You don't put your head on your pillow and wake up the next morning and you're magically changed. You start practicing and you practice outside of those chaotic moments. You practice sitting with your emotions and regulating those. You have a mantra maybe that I am a mom who can control her emotions and help my child, something like that. And you don't start practicing everything all at once because that will just set you up for failure. You start with the first step. You start one thing at a time. You start with one tool and you will be amazed at how implementing the smallest shift can change things in such a big instrumental way in your family that other things just sort of fall into place after that. And it doesn't mean it's not work. It doesn't mean you don't still have to be really intentional. It doesn't mean you're never going to make a mistake because I make mistakes all the time. It means you learn, you just learn different ways and you also teach your kids that you can make mistakes and overcome them and make amends and start again. Those are just the kind of shifts that I made when I started out changing how I parented my kids. Do you see a big difference in how you approach each of your kids based on their age? You said you had um, three to 12 years old? Three to 14. Three to 14 now. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah, and, and he is... I mean, my 14-year-old is easy as pie, really. Like, <laughs> so my 11-year-old, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> my kids' personalities 
play a big role. Uh, you know, I, and I obviously don't treat my three-year-old the same as my 14-year-old. You know, there are tools that my 14-year-old would feel belittled if I used the same tools that I use with my three-year-old. It's age-dependent and personality-dependent as well. Do you have any advice for some of the unexpected home learning families that are coming into, uh, specifically into our province or into our part of the world, but I mean, right across North America, everybody's bringing their kids home? Start small. You don't need to do everything all at once. Start with something like reading aloud every morning, maybe, and, and build on that. Just start small. Don't become overwhelmed. There's so much that your kids are going to learn just from being at home and kind of being bored. They're, they're going to seek out things. And so try not to worry. And I know as moms, you know, we say, don't worry. And that's the first thing we start doing, right? We go into like, oh my gosh, you said, don't worry. I should probably worry. And (laughs) saying that I actually mean it. Don't worry. Sit down and practice, not worrying, get a meditation practice going or, or there's oodles of online yoga going on. And maybe you're feeling like, that's just adding to your to-do list, but putting some self-care at the top of your list is going to make an enormous difference in what you can get done or what you can let go of. Yeah, I, I think the great expectations apply to, well, specifically to homeschool parents, but I don't know what the experience of, you know, someone that did not sign up for homeschooling all of a sudden has an immediate homeschool experience and they might be bringing their work home, and they're not going to extracurriculars like we do. They're just literally at home, maybe the way they thought that we were before, but we weren't, but literally at home, and then they have to figure out how to be in a pressure cooker. They have to learn each other in a relationship that they haven't had before. They had relationships with each other, but they weren't with each other all the time, and we've had years of that experience with our kids, and it's still challenging at times. And I don't know about you, but the last couple of weeks for me, I have two, te- well, I have three teenagers, but one is in Ottawa. And I have two teenagers here and an almost teenager. And it is, I can feel the energy. It's more intense, for sure. I think a lot of us feel like we're living in a bit of a fishbowl for some reason. Like we have to... We have to do this social isolation distancing thing Pinteresty, right? Like it needs to be Pinteresty and we need to be putting it out there on social media. And really you need to stop giving a crap whether or not the laundry is in a pile or it's folded and in the drawers. I have a friend I did an interview with, Katie Teakin, and she said that look at what actually does need to get done and what could be let go of it. She said, I don't fold kid laundry anymore. I just toss it into drawer because they're little and they will pull it out anyway. And so what was I doing that for? So looking for those things that are don't need to do Marie Kondo or Pinterest perfect, you need to sit down and forge relationships with your kids and connect with your kids and, and play cards. I'm doing an online dance class right now because I regularly leave my house to dance. And that's what my kids want to be doing with me. They want to be in front of that screen doing a dance class in my bedroom with me. And is it perfect? Would I video this and put it on social media? Probably not. But it's fun. And they're going to remember that, right? So, yeah. <laughs> 
And now we live 20 minutes outside of town and we live in an absolutely perfect place because I'm not remotely afraid of touching anybody or being in someone's, you know, breathing sphere. And we have a place to walk for two, an hour from our front door and not even see anybody except it's really weird. It is exactly like everybody says or when they're concerned about homeschoolers being isolated. <laughs> now we are. That's a question I haven't gotten since the social isolation has come into place is, how do you socialize your homeschoolers? I have we no don't. idea. <laughs> the nope. telephone, it's coming back. <laughs> yeah, the telephone is coming back. <laughs> my mom actually got on Marco Polo and has been like Marco Poloing my kids. Awesome. <laughs> So. I actually find my socialization has increased. Go figure. I, I feel like I'm constantly talking to people to the point where I'm like, I need to not be talking to people, which is very different. So when we're talking about being all at home together, I find the energy sometimes or over the years, the energy just being with them. I don't think I'm introverted. I'm on the extroverted side, but I find it's consuming. And sometimes I just need a break. I just need to go to Starbucks for an afternoon or an evening, or I need to go out and do something like you have your dance classes. We can't do that right now. No. You have any tips? Talking to a friend about this earlier tonight, at his suggestion was that I go and park my car by a Starbucks and use their <laughs> Wi-Fi. <laughs> which I still might do, but it's not in my, it's not my plan right now. But there is a staircase fairly close to me, outdoor staircase that I might run some stairs every once in a while alone. Getting alone exercise in because with kids, especially little kids, I can be trying to plank or something like that. And my three-year-old's climbing on my back and it just gets <laughs> irritating. And it's okay if you're irritated by your kids. That's okay. Take responsibility for that and head out the door solo, head out the door, keep your distance and, and run stairs or do something, go for a walk. We talk about these things even outside of isolation. Go for that walk alone. If you have littles and you don't have another adult to take your kids, throw them in a wagon, throw them in a stroller. I know of a mom who had three little kids and then had twins after that, had five kids. And that's what she said, kept her sane, was walking with them up and down the driveway. So get outside. I'm taking some certification around kids and anxiety right now. And nature is huge for that. Mm -hmm. Figuring out a way to get outside and distancing from other people is huge. It's a big deal in soothing everybody's brain. Yeah, I have to agree. I don't actually have an anxiety issue in my life in general, but I, the last couple of weeks, it's almost like a collective communal societal thing where you can just feel the energy. And uh, my husband is a frontline worker, so there is a whole level of awareness of what's going on in the hospital. And there is a lot of anxiety. Um, outdoors is always my thing too. I always say just get outside. But usually I'm doing a lot of extracurricular or driving to extracurriculars. And I feel like I'm doing a lot more exercise now. Seems to me everybody's baking sourdough at home. <laughs> Is that a thing now? <laughs> We're all at home and everybody's baking bread. I've always baked bread, but now I'm baking bread and exercising outside. So, but I agree the get outside thing is pretty powerful as long as you're not in packs of six. 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or um, unless they were children, <laughs> music can shift the energy in your house too. Throw on tunes that make you want to shake your booty and just do it with your kids, or or without. Like just start dancing on your own, and either they'll jump in or they'll look at you embarrassed, and you just keep doing it anyway because you're <laughs> yeah. probably in your thirties and you don't care what your twelve-year-old thinks. So <laughs> yeah, well, well, by the time you're in your late forties, you actually make sure to tease them and make sure that they their friends see you dancing. <laughs> it becomes a sport in itself. Back in the good old days, when I would drive my kids' friends in our car, I would sing like at the top of my lungs, and they just didn't even bat an eyelash. And I'm like, ah, other moms must be doing this too. All right. (laughs) So what would you say some of your self-care strategies are at present? You said you're parking outside of, or you're hoping to park outside of a Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. your own coffee. One of the things is just paying attention to how you're feeling and when you like your emotions can be felt in your body right negative emotions tend to be felt from the chest up so if you're feeling stressed angry anxiety that sort of thing you know it's going to happen from the chest up your throat starts to constrict your shoulders get hunchy your neck gets tight your jaw can tighten and really just paying attention to those signals is a big deal because that's when you can do something that's usually fairly easy. My friend, Julie Aronowski, she's a mutual friend of ours, just put out a post the other day that said, just add water. I was like, oh my gosh, so simple. And I love it. So yeah, get a drink of water, make a cup of tea. If you can have a bath or a shower, great. If you fill up the sink with water for your kids to play with, water, The beach is one of my favorite places because it's so soothing to be by that water. So water is a soothing thing. And dance, I love dance right now. It's a big deal to me. So finding ways that I can dance in my home still, that's a big deal. Silence sometimes. (laughs) I can find silence. And it doesn't have to be long silence. It can be three breaths of silence that just brings everything back to, oh yeah, it's actually going to be okay. There's not an emergency. Journaling is another one. Journaling, I, I find that things are heavy. Your thoughts start to swirl and they're just stuck in your head swirling around. But when they can come out and flow onto the lines of a page, you can organize them and they start to make sense. And your brain goes, oh yeah, it's actually okay. Those are things that I do to take care of myself and my emotional well-being. And I sometimes stare at myself in the mirror and talk to myself as though I am my friend. And it is, it sounds super weird. And no, I don't have mental health issues. <laughs> but it works. It actually, I love that so much. I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> especially if you're feeling really intense or really angry, and you don't have an easy friend or connection, you know, someone to talk through the intensity with just looking at yourself in the mirror. It's weird, but it works. Yeah. Yeah. No, lots of things that work are weird, right? Or really simple. I've written myself love letters before. Oh, nice. Oh, I like that. That are, I mean, they're not romantic or anything like that. They're like like pep talks on paper. Right. (laughs) I mean, I might, I might tell myself I'm beautiful. (laughs) 
Why not? <laughs> yeah, right? Sexy in that negligee. <laughs> <laughs> Your butt is looking fine these days, girlfriend. <laughs> I've heard that when you feel afraid that uh, animals instinctively shake it off and Taylor Swift tells us to, but um, <laughs> if you're afraid, you should actually shake it off. Oh, okay. Yeah. That and meditation. I think the world needs to hear that right now. Yeah. Meditation I find is something that, you know, you do outside of your chaos and fear so that when chaos and fear come, you can draw from that. Oh, interesting. Tell me more what that means. Well, because when you're in the calm, when you're meditating in the calm, you're training your brain for that calm. When things feel overwhelming, you can then draw on that training that you've already done. Your brain is able to calm that much faster because you can say, oh yeah, remember this time? Let's go back to that. Because I've only really meditated, like I've prayed for a long time, and I think prayer definitely has its place. Sometimes I think we pray because we want to give a voice to our anxiety, and our anxiety just gets reaffirmed or validated somehow, so then we get more anxious, so then we pray more. And I think um, meditation is just being still. For years, probably... Somewhere in the decade, I started meditating. And in the beginning, I thought that was completely hokey. Just sitting and allowing yourself to be still, practicing it. They say practice because you do it and it becomes easier. So just what you said, that does ring true for me, that it just seems to to be easier after a while, after you've done it for a while. I don't know. I remember first going into it thinking, how is it that this is so simple, but I actually really suck at it? <laughs> and just having to repeat myself, it's a practice, it's a practice, it's a practice. It's not called success or an over and done. It's called a practice for a reason. So, right. And not trying to um, not think when people say to just let all your thoughts leave you. I'm like, how does one do that? The harder you try not to think, the more you think. I've, ironically, the less you think about the thoughts. What would you say that your unique self-care challenges are at present? I don't know if they're unique, but interruption, for sure. <laughs> Me too. I don't like being interrupted. I just interrupted you. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. This is a conversation. Interruption <laughs> is completely different. <laughs> so interruption with people under the age of something. Yeah, 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 exactly. And also, um, you know, I found Craig, my husband and I, he is, he's unflappable. Like he's, and he is, he is the guy who gets up early in the morning and meditates in the garage, which is also his studio off. I find that if I'm struggling and I, I say something like, I just need to go take a break, I do feel a little bit guilty about that because he doesn't do those sorts of things. And we both work from home. So it's sometimes I do feel a little bit, why do I need to do this? And he doesn't. And I have an answer for you. Oh, good. Because he's superhuman. <laughs> oh, well, I kind of have known that for a while now, and it's not helpful. It's not helpful to be married to Super Dad. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm sure it is, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. Sometimes I feel inadequate being married to Craig. So, you know, it's just so those are my self care challenges, remembering that 
yes, it's probably a sacrifice on my partner's part to give me the space to do it. But I am also a much better mom and wife when I do take that space and take care of myself. Serves the entire system. What's one or two major thought challenges that you would say you've grappled with over the last 14 years of parenting? Probably the biggest one is perfectionism and needing, you know, I started out as a mom 14 years ago with this mindset that I was going to do I was going to do this right and perfect. And, you know, I was going to be this, this certain type of mom who celebrated every holiday well, was always patient and always kind, but also always had a very t- neat and tidy house. And like just at one point, I think when I was pregnant with Hudson, my oldest, at my baby shower, I had told some people that we would never have baby toys in our living room. Like, toys would <laughs> never be in the living room. And they did laugh at me. They looked at me and went, oh. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, just just letting go of the the perfect, which is an illusion anyway. There was no perfect about me ever in my entire life. And still stopping the strive for perfection has been has been a serious thought challenge in- well it sounds like we're very yeah. similar <laughs> you know i bought all the books i pretty much assumed that if i bought the books that meant that i was locked in i have discovered that parenting has really just been a mirror for me a mirror to all the the struggle you know, that's inside or all personality, the challenges that I have, my interpersonal challenges, I can't think of the word, but it's absolutely a mirror for me. I've heard people like leaders in the Positive Discipline Association say things like parenting is the biggest personal growth journey you will ever be on. And that's so true. So true. <laughs> so true. You're locked in. You love those kids no matter what. Yep. And yet, boy, wait till the teenage years. Then you can just be confounded by it at times and wonder. So what was I thinking? (laughs) Yes. I love, uh, yeah, and I love every single one of them. But there's so many moments where I truly was confounded. Yeah. I often turn to Craig and say, whose idea was it to have these four kids again? (laughs) Was I in on that meeting? (laughs) think you were probably (laughs) sexy negligee (laughs) so how do you engage those thought challenges or how do you engage that perfectionism I do that a couple of ways I have I have little sayings I guess I wouldn't want to be friends with me if I was perfect and I don't want to be friends with perfect people so it's okay to not be perfect I also tell myself there's nobody peeking in the windows judging you. Right. Because nobody concerned with their own thing anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Back to dance class, even like I didn't start dancing until, I mean, I'm 37. I started in November and I make a lot of mistakes and I kind of look a little dorky at times. And then I look around and realize, oh yeah, actually everyone's looking at themselves in the mirror. They're not looking at me it's totally okay. I will make those mistakes and I will get better at things, but I will never be perfect. And that is okay. 
I think it's for me, it's the guilt of when you mistreat a kid or you speak unkindly or you your conscience knows that that wasn't that wasn't it. Even if you don't know what the right way is, then what do you do with that? That sense of I didn't hit the mark. I didn't do it perfectly. A big thing for me, Brene Brown, she said, you know, something and I'm going to probably misquote this, but something like people are doing the best they can. I tend to believe that of other people and I'm working on believing that of myself. Even when you mess up, you've done the best you can with your life, the life experience you have, the triggers you have for your emotions, the amount of sleep you've had, the whether or not you're hungry, cold, uncomfortable, those things all play a role and you actually did do the best you could. Can you go back and say, hey, I didn't show up the way I wanted to there and I'd like to apologize and maybe have a do-over or I'd like to apologize and tell you I'm working on this and next time I hope it goes this way. Yeah, absolutely. Forgiving yourself and saying, I did the best I could in that moment. Hopefully I'll do better in the future. Beautiful. Yeah. Which is so not easy. I can talk that and I can still wallow in the, oh, I'm terrible. So <laughs> I actually love being a writer and uh, being in front of the camera for myself, because when I put things into word and I say them, it's not just guilt that makes me think I said that I should really follow that. But there's something inside of me that almost like manifests it and says, this is the right way to do it. And then I do level up. And then I do yeah. a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more level up, yeah. then level up, level up and keep practicing the level up the more I speak. What would you say your favorite self-care strategy is? Something that's fun. What kind of dance do you do? I was doing ballet for a little while and that um, actually ended, not just because of social distancing. And um, at the same time, I took up Chicago style burlesque dancing. Really? So it's so oh. fun. So, so fun. rouge? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'll even like these are my dance shoes. Oh, girlfriend I know they're so great if they didn't have felt bottoms I'd totally wear them like to town and all over the place but you're not allowed to go anywhere but yeah (laughs) pretty much (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's so fun ridiculously body positive in my class there's like four grandmas in there and like it's so just great I love learning choreography and just challenging my brain that way and it's a whole new different it's a different way of thinking than I've ever really done before. Yeah, I love it. It's so much fun. Less thinking, more meditative, I've heard, when people really get into their dance. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but at first, like, you're soup. <laughs> but at first, you're focused on how do the moves go together? What happens now? What happens? Am I doing this right? And then muscle memory kicks in. You just flow, and it's so good. I might have to get into that. I've got three girls that dance. And I mean, they dance 10 hours a week. Like they dance a lot until the last two weeks. And I'm always driving them there. I know the dance teachers, all three of them. And yet I am never dancing. I have tried. I'm not very good. I can do a (laughs) two-step. See, and I'm not very good either. My own grandmother kind of went, 
you're actually not that graceful. <laughs> and I was oh, like, no. <laughs> um, thanks, Grandma, but I'm going to do it anyway. So. <laughs> Go, girl. Bring Grandma to dance class. Yeah, yeah. She's going to come to one of my shows, actually. So that'll oh, be awesome. In rough times, in separation, in death or illness, in a family crisis, what would you suggest to homeschool or these unexpected home learning families in how to take care of themselves or how to approach their home learning environment? Do only what is necessary. <laughs> like, there are so many things that are not necessary. This is not crisis, but um, we've done a fair amount of large scale travel for extended periods. I mean, up to five weeks kind of deal. And our homeschool support teacher even said, you understand you should not take math books, right? <laughs> and it was like, okay, even math can be, everything can just be dropped and it's going to be okay. Don't obviously create your homeschooling around, I don't know, playing Nintendo all the time. But connection and, and care are the heart and soul of homeschooling. When there's crisis, when there's something going on that is a big deal in your family, go back to that. Go back to connection and care. And especially right now, I think it's just like such an opportunity for families to get to know each other in a different way. And also to really watch their kids and see how they learn and what they are naturally interested in. Like you said at the beginning, that boredom is a good thing. I know. And I say that as somebody who is pretty bored right now and kind of looks <laughs> crazy. But... <laughs> But yeah, you know, who knows what ways I will grow out of this. So. <laughs> I've heard people watching big Netflix series and I'm like, ah, oh, I should do that. But I think I'm doing more now than I was two. And no, I am doing more now than I was two weeks ago. I should get into Netflix. People keep Yeah, watching. I actually have not watched any Netflix series since we started the isolation. So... I don't know, maybe I will. We did get Disney Plus, and I have been watching Stargirl in small increments with my two <laughs> oldest children because they both read the book and I read the book. And it's, yeah, it's just this heartwarming movie about this girl who lives to the beat of her own drum. Pretty it's, sure it's a book, right? It was yeah, a yeah, it's by Joseph Spirelli, I think. Really, something like that. Yeah, we've all read the book, so we yeah. got Disney Plus, so we could watch the movie. And yeah, and I forgot to cancel it after the free trial, so now we have Disney Plus. <laughs> Where can we find you online? You can find me uh, on Facebook and Instagram as Parenting Solution Finders, and my website is ParentingSolutionFinders.com. I can imagine how many people you must be chatting with every night or on a regular basis, because I really enjoy chatting with you with or without a glass of Baalbeck. <laughs> I can imagine that you'd be a great resource for parents to sit and diffuse and get a few tools. What kinds of things do you offer parents? Uh, yeah, I offer one-on-one -on -one parenting classes. I do also have a free group and some really awesome free resources um, that are an excellent jumping off point in being a calmer parent and using tools with your kids. Um, but yeah, I've been mostly 
using or doing one-on-one coaching sessions with people right now and creating customized solutions for families because each family really is different and just being able to talk about the specific problems is crucial right now to to helping parents use the time, the time of kinting and bonding with their kids as opposed to a time that separates. I am certain they would appreciate it or gain a lot from you. It has been truly a pleasure to chat with you and you can come back next week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. I love this. (laughs) I'll let everybody know in the show notes, all the details of where you can be found, but parent, It's Parenting Solution Finders. Parenting Solution Finders. Thank you for joining me today. I would love to hear more about who you are, you as a homeschool mama, who your kids are, what part of the world you're in. I would love to hear why you chose to listen to a podcast on homeschool mama self-care and what you'd like to get out of this podcast. My goal in this podcast is to equip you with self-care strategies that will help you turn your challenges into your charms. Thank you for joining me today. If you want to learn more about what I do, head over to www.capturingthecharmlife.com. The show notes will be there and the links to everything that we've mentioned in this episode. Please subscribe to our podcast and share this podcast with your homeschool mama friends. If you rate or review this podcast, you equip other mamas to learn about me a little bit more quickly than if it was word of mouth. You can head over to my website, capturingthecharmlife.com, and check out a preview of my upcoming book, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Thrive, Not Just Survive. I hope you and your kids Have a charmed week, but until next week, I hope that you can turn your challenges into your charms.